2: Hello everyone, welcome to a very special edition of Take the Black, the weekly, now twice weekly podcast For myself, Dan Selke, the editor of Winnerscoming.net, and Daniel Roman, the other editor of Winnerscoming.net, wear matching green shirts and talk about all things sci-fi, fantasy, TV, and movies. And for these special Sunday night episodes, we are going to be breaking down each episode of House of the Dragon, HBO's new Game of Thrones prequel series, set 200 years before the original show. We've been waiting for three years for it. I'm so glad to see all of you here. And Daniel, I'm glad to be starting this up with you. I am excited to break down episodes with you week after week here reliably at 9.30 p.m. CST and the Winner's Facebook and YouTube pages. How do you feel about that?
3: I feel so excited about that. I can't <laughs> believe that we're here. The season is started at like... I've been overjoyed that we can finally talk about House of the Dragon. No more speculating. What will it be like? Will it be good? Will it be bad? Will it be ugly? Now we know, or at least we know about the premiere. And I'm excited that we're going to do this every week and talk about the show. And, you know, with everybody tuning in, it's so great to see all you guys in the chat. It really is. Dan, how are you
2: feeling? I feel really good. So you have seen a bunch of them. I've seen the premiere. This is the third time I've seen it. And just to start, I really liked it a lot. I liked it more the more we watched it. This time when I watched it on the TV and I was sarcastically live tweeting, I was also crying at some scenes, which I think is always a good scene. I mean, I was getting misty. I was getting misty during the birth scene. I was getting misty during the scene where Viserys yells at his brother to leave. And everyone out there, people seem to be loving it, which I'm really into. And we are going to spoil things just FYI. Because, you know, we've watched it. We want to talk about it. And we want to talk about it with you. So if you do not want to be spoiled, just change your attitude. Want to be spoiled and stick around with us anyway. But
3: my basic thought is... For this episode, we won't talk beyond it. Yeah, of course.
2: Yeah, no episodes. for This is just for the premiere The Heirs of the Dragon. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Like from the start, you could, uh, you know what? I want to start by going to the scene, just starting it up with the scene that I, when I watched it, I felt like this was going to be something important and good. And the one that really got me and about two thirds through, it was the birth scene. So this episode is yeah. basically about introducing our characters. We have the young Rhaenyra Targaryen, who's the daughter of King Viserys Targaryen, uh, who has no male heirs. And he's got his mm-hmm. brother, Damon, who's Matt Smith, the 11th Doctor. And he has his wife, Emma Aaron, who is pregnant with a boy. And I was liking the episode. I was enjoying it. I was watching it. I liked it. You know, the joust scene was fun. I thought the chemistry was good. But that birth scene was the one where I was kind of riveted. And like, this feels like something different. This feels like something new, like Game of Thrones didn't do. The horrifying bit is, of course, that Queen Emma is having this really, really difficult birth. And the maester offers her husband, the king, a choice. You can risk both their lives with a natural birth, or you can perform a janky medieval Caesarean section and save the baby and doom the mother. I mean, that's like what it is. Yeah. And the king chooses, regretfully, you could tell it was hurting him, but he still chose, let's kill my wife and take the baby. And it was just, it was horrid. It was horrible. It was yeah. really, really agonizing to watch. And that to me was the moment. I was like, whoa, awful. Okay. I'm <laughs> like the yeah. show is doing something that feels like it's going to Make some conversation. Like I'm really compelled at this point, and that's when I was kind of in. So that for me was the yeah. high point of the episode and the selling point.
3: Yeah, I you know I would agree with that. It's tough to call something like that a selling point because I totally agree with everything you said. Man, that's a that's a tough scene in general. It's a hard scene to have in a premiere too, mm-hmm. um, because I think that was. At at least as hard, if not harder than just about anything from Game of Thrones that Hmm. I can recall. Um, You know, it's not just that it's a medieval C-section that he he chooses. We're going to kill my wife and try to save the baby. He doesn't even tell her that's the Game of Thrones.
2: No consultation. He doesn't
3: even tell her it's happening. He's just mumbling. They're going to take the baby out. And it's Oh, Oh, he's saying like, there's the baby out now just like
2: just like oh, and, and then God. like omitting oh and you're gonna die and i've made this choice for you that was just yes. incredibly even this only brief time like we'd already seen queen emma kind of bond with Renira, her daughter bond with viserys like they seem to have a good relationship but the demands of secession kind of call him to put his unborn child above his wife who he loves and you know we've seen people say that this show is going to be about partially how a patriarchal society kind of controls women and puts them against each other. And sometimes I could hear something like that and think that maybe it's going to be, it's going to like feel preachy, but this felt really natural, really just honestly and openly awful and horrific and a very effective way to underline what they're going for. So I was, I was very impressed, not only that they handled it delicately, but they got there so fast. Like, like you said, this is the premiere and we're already kind of pumping the dramatics up very, very high. It's a good yeah. sign that the show. That's the midpoint too. of
1: the episode,
3: even.
2: Yeah. Oh, it definitely is. Like that is, and I got again. Good lord! Like a show that's going supposed to be like it's the an epic the the successor to the epic adventure that was Game of Thrones. Come watch um, a woman die during the cesarean section is a bold move, and it's just to me that's good because I like bold moves, and I think it's. They're not here to be cookie cutter. They're not here to be one size fits all. They're here to be house of the dragon, whatever it is. And I was really impressed by that.
3: Yeah. I I think, you know, I was both more surprised by how immediately it felt like being back in Westeros, Mm -hmm. you know, that open, after the the prologue with the Great Council, that opening shot of Rhaenyra flying her dragon over King's Landing while there was, you know, the Jawadi music that we all know and love from Game of Thrones played in the background. There were just more moments like that where it was like, oh, okay, we're back in Westeros. It feels like it. But then you get to something like the birth scene and it's like, this is not something that has ever happened in Game of Thrones. And it's Mm. hard to imagine it happening because like you said, like we've heard... The talk for a while now about how this is a show that's going to examine a a toxic patriarchy. Basically, Mm -hmm. Ranira is named Pierre, and there are going to be people who just don't want that to happen just on premise because she's a woman. I agree with you. Often when you hear that I do, my initial reaction is I hope this isn't too on the nose because the danger is that it would be easy to be on the nose with something like that. And I think, I think this episode just did such a good job of underlining that theme. So many times, like with quiet moments where Viserys is talking about having an air a male air was while right air there, is, yeah yeah and it just lingered the camera lingers on her face for a second as he's saying it there was that kind of stuff just all throughout the episode and man i loved it
2: as manny says uh the part of the birth brought me back to the red wedding which um yeah it was game of thrones was known for harrowing moments and they delivered one right at the top i mean i just don't I, i'm not sure it's just that game of thrones wouldn't do it i can't think of Like any show or TV show or movie that I've watched has really gone there exactly that explicitly. So, I mean, at the end of the day, if you want to have a giant hit, you've got to break new ground. And this, I just like that it seems like it has something to say right out of the gate. It's such a good sign.
3: Yeah, totally. So I want to I ask you your opinion on something okay. that is a little less heavy than the birth scene. Sure.
2: Okay. Let's move on. I want to do it first, but yes, let's, 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 we don't have to be all heavy all the time. Yeah.
3: We have to touch on that first. That's going to be the water cooler scene. <laughs> we didn't have to. I just wanted to. <laughs> because, yeah. Okay. That's fair.
1: This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working the HVAC is humming and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24 7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quitgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
3: Um, but going back to the beginning, okay. <laughs> the, there was no opening credits, big epic intro. It, um, did like see Thrones has Yeah. Did, if you guys out there, if you saw opening credits, let us know because neither of us did. Um, and Game of Thrones, you know, it had this incredibly iconic opening credits sequence. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just that the premiere didn't do one. I We don't know if this show as a whole is going to do one is. or not. But it seems like they kind of were just like, we're not even going to try to top that. We'll just give you this Targaryen logo and you know what's up. But what was your opinion on that? Honestly, if
2: that's the way they're going, I kind of like it um, to just how do we top the Game of Thrones intro sequence? We're not going to. We're not even going to try. We're not even going to have anything. Nah. Although it, it, and 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 Natalie's right. They could start with episode two. That's possible. I don't know. It's possible they could just do a Breaking Bad or Castle thing. Just like have a very bare bones one. We'll see. We, we, yeah. We'll see what happens. Some folk in here, not fans. Beverly was saying piss poor. Jackie, not liking the Matt Smith. We can talk about Matt Smith. Because I actually thought yeah. he might have given my favorite performance of the episode. He was definitely strong. So I liked all the acting. Yeah. You know what? You know what I liked? I, I liked how immediately I kind of got the four big, the four big characters, um, Viserys, Rhaenyra, Damon, and Alicent. I liked that scene with Alicent Rhaenyra, in The Godswood, kind of just like chatting and just kind of gabbing a bit. Yeah. He's talking about I don't just kick yeah. it's cute. I liked Damon. <sighs> So I read Fire and Blood, the George R. 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 Martin book that this show is based on. And I know that Damon Targaryen, who is Matt Smith and his long wig, people have talked about the shit about the wig, which, you know, it's fair. I yeah. mean, listen, Targaryens, you, someone could have short hair. It's okay. Like not everyone has to have like long flowing down to the small of your back locks. But anyway, in Fire and Blood, he was such, he, he was such an asshole he came off as. Like I, I'm reading this book and everything he does is just, I don't see how to interpret it, except this is a jerk who's doing jerky things. And this first episode, I was sympathizing with him more than I thought I was going to. Like they've preserved everything about his assholishness. Like, he is cocky. He is, like, talking shit about his wife back in the veil. He is sw- sauntering into small conference He is hitting on his niece So whatever that necklace name was supposed to be. He is just being a dick at the tourney. And, oh, my God, the bit when he was, like, I think he, like, Knocked Allison's brother out of the seat. That was Allison Hightower's older yes. brother. And then it's like, can I have your favor? Like, what a by dick
3: tripping word. her horse, his horse
2: by tripping the horse at the same time. Yeah, I did sort of feel like I I got it. Like I understood that he was feeling very sheepish in front of his brother. I love that shouting match between his brother and then he at the end. What he did really yeah. seem kind of chagrined and like he's failed to live up to his brother's expectations. I was more mixed on him than I thought. And I credit some of that to Matt Smith, who I think that is doing a good job. This is going to be a complex, meaty character. And if if the birth scene was the scene that's going to be talked about, I think Damon is the character who's going to be talked about because I can already see him producing some strong reactions.
3: Yeah. I mean, here we are talking about him as basically mm-hmm. our first character from the show that we're really discussing. So yeah, because there are strong reactions in the chat. Yes, there um, are. I think Damon, you know, he does come off as more of a jerk in the book. But I think one thing that this show has done well so far that I'm really hoping for throughout the rest of the season is it's taking these characters who were described, you know, when we see Damon described in the book, there's like a layer of separation because it's not like Damon's point of view. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, second or third hand accounts primary accounts for mushroom, whatever of what Damon was like, but you know, the way Damon was described sometimes was at odds with his actions. So like he would be described yeah. as doing all this awful stuff. He would still come back around to trying to be loyal to his brother. Um, so I think the show did a good job of taking those implied complexities and putting them front and center. So like Damon, you know, when he has the air for a day scene which uh i think kayla said she loved that there were quotes straight from the book kayla. um and yeah there were a bunch him calling his wife uh the bronze, bronze bitch it was another say, hey, go ahead. straight out of fire and bloodline right damon when he gets brought before king viserys at the end the first thing he says is we all grieve in our own way brother yeah and sounds like it could so easily be pandering, but we saw the scene and we saw that he actually wasn't happy in that scene. So he that was true. It. I love how the show is putting, you know, it's making Damon a little more sympathetic at times. And then you have King Viserys who is a very sympathetic character. Completely. He still ordered his wife to be basically killed against her will. Yes. Welfare.
2: Oh, which is what I just so love. I love
3: that area. Yeah, it's really dialing up, you know, there's no straight good heroic Mm -hmm. character in this show everyone's going to be complicated
2: i like alicent too Um, and as uh, martha says that rainera had some aria in her which yeah i I mean was all there were some points where i kind of felt like it was a game of thrones quote or moment just sort of kind of highlight in a different color. Like when Rhaenyra is going to her mother, Emma and being like, I'd rather ride into battle on a horse. And like, well, that's basically what Arya would say. Or um, when, totally when Rhaenys Targaryen was uh, at the tournament and she was saying like, uh, most of these guys have never They're known battle. Summer grass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is, is full Catelyn Stark, which is full. These are the Knights of winter. set somewhere and winter is coming. Like, so th- there were moments I thought were almost a little too close but then there were stuff like the birth and stuff like Damon that was very removed. And honestly, we never really yeah. had like a close exploration of two brothers before. Like they had like Rob and John and Bran, but they never got a lot of time together. Viserys and Damon seemed like a really compelling pair to me. I love that scene that the throne room they had, like the really the the, the 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 yelling back and forth. Who?
3: Yeah, I forget. I the I closest the we ever had before that was Tyrion and Jamie. They're oh, yeah, kind that's of the, the brothers think of from game of thrones where they're close enough in age they're both adults they both make lots of mistakes um and just see the world in slightly different ways i yeah the relationship between Damon and viserys is so compelling like um did you catch that so in the scene i and viewers out there correct me if i'm wrong on this but the scene with patty considine uh, King Viserys, mm-hmm. where they are looking at like the lesions on his back in his bedroom. Oh yeah, um, there's a there's a slow shot at the beginning of that that is out the window while the bells are chiming. I'm pretty sure that's the window Tommen jumped out of to his death. <laughs> and that framing of that scene, you know, Miguel Sapochnik directed that episode as well, The Winds of Winter. The framing of that window as it panned back out to King Viserys. That was another, oh, we're really calling back to Game of Thrones moment for me. I didn't
2: think about that. That's funny. <laughs> like that. Some interesting comments about the male eye candy, a little lacking, says Jackie. And is it bad <laughs> that I miss? It's going to be so like, look, so I, I, I guess the question is, was Game of Thrones popular because people would love the story? Or was it popular because they fell in love with Jon Snow and Amelia Clark? Yeah. I, I think it was the rare show where it was the former, but I'm curious to see how people react us and and, and and whether it catches on. I don't know. Do you think? Hmm. I'm curious to, to to see what the responses are in terms of numbers, because um, it's not going to be as big as, it, Game of, as, it was, as Game of Thrones was toward the end. And again, it is a different story. I do think that my fear about it being a little less fun than Game of Thrones is going to prove prophetic because the material just seems a lot more heavy, but th- that's the kind of show it is. And I mean, like if it's a heavy show and that's the right tone for it, that's, cool i want it to do what works for it i do wonder yeah. if um, the lack of wise cracking and Tyrion and the hound is or even aria could just make it a little bit of a different flavor than game of thrones was which i mean again is appropriate and Kristen cole is pretty hot says julie yes i'm sure there'll be plenty of hot if you look at people don't worry about it. it's tv they're not gonna not put yeah. on tv calm down
3: It's true. They just wanted you to know that the show is not going to be just about good-looking people. It has integrity. It's going to be about complicated, messy families that are not all good-looking. This show's classy. Mostly good-looking.
2: In all seriousness, those wigs, like, do you think that they'll ever be a Targaryen with short hair? Like, do you? Has anybody thought of that? Of just, like, having a short white blonde wig as opposed to long lion's mane
3: we we've seen them in the trailers there will be short wigs this season it's gonna happen for sure uh there's there's a short-haired matt smith in one of the trailers there is there is yes so we'll we'll see some different wigs years are gonna pass people get haircuts it'll happen
2: Oh, that's kind of wild because, you know, where go the hair? So go the fans like th- the hair is very important barometer of any show, especially a show like this. I'm not saying Savannah says any short hair but, like somebody, somebody th- there's going to be like 1300 Targaryens well, in the I- show. Someone can have short blonde hair. Somebody.
3: Yeah. It's just hard to go from from the good long hair to short hair because like look at Jamie Lannister. Can anyone honestly say they like Jamie Lannister more after his haircut? And why are you lying to yourself?
2: I haven't really thought about it, honestly. I'll go investigate that later. What else? I, I, someone mentioned Graham McTavish. <laughs> so, oh, sorry, go ahead. You go ahead. What do you You're, think of the dragons? You know what I like about the dragons is that um, the dragons, they like weren't overly played in this one. Like we saw Cyrus at the beginning. We saw a sniff, snippet of Meraxes, Damon's Dragon. I thought, I thought they looked great. Of course, they're going to look great. The show is so impressive in... You can tell they're kind of... Um, thinking everything through because i think there's a weaker showrunner like someone compared the show to the witcher up there which is ridiculous but if the person who did the witcher did this show i think the dragons would be there and they had that money they'd be there every other scene they'd be blowing fire up people's butts like you know just every couple of minutes And this one had a great Maraxis glimpse toward the end and it had that great Cyrax scene. And that's kind of enough because it's it's called House of the Dragon, but the dragons are the people. The Targaryens are dragons and the dragons are dragons. And if this show is going to succeed, we're going to have to like the characters, not just their incredibly expensive CGI mounts. So the dragons were there. They looked great, but I didn't want this to be about the dragons. And it wasn't because the show knows better than that.
3: Yeah, I feel like there was both more of the dragon, the dragons than I was willing to hope for. I, I didn't expect it to open basically after the great council with a dragon flight scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing that, and then the extended scene of Cyrax landing, Caraxes oh, yeah. at the end, and then the the funeral pyre scene. I, I loved, you know, the details of the dragons are just fantastic. They've done a great job making them mm-hmm. look different, which we know was one of George R. R. Martin's demands of this show is please don't give me a bunch of similar looking dragons and they are listening uh, to
2: george rr R. martin for better or worse i think it's going to be a great idea until it's not until he requests something weird
3: i yeah that's, i mean jaharis the second so there one thing that i loved about this though that made me think of george R. R. martin's work more specifically like the tourney scene with all the oh. pageantry oh no was so fun it was done that's the kind of thing he describes in his books yeah. so much, so much detail that we've never really gotten to see never. like shown on screen with the same type of detail. And I think that kind of love of his material is going to permeate this show. We're going to see mm. other things like that, that were like George R. Martinisms that he describes in, in crazy detail in his books. Yeah. I, it speaks well to how faithfully they want to adapt his work for this what do you think of damon sliding down that banister
2: one of the top five moments from the show from the episode oh that was so much fun <laughs> the, i you know my favorite bit was was the sound effect of the metal um scraping on the armor like the, like the screech that was the best part the tourney and the jousting was so cool because I, i'm watching it and i realized like hold like how did we never get a scene like this in eight season of Game of Thrones? because we really didn't like, I think there was like a tourney in the first season when they had like $8, but obviously they couldn't do, they couldn't really mount a huge, impressive one. So to see it right out of the gate, to like a yes. prototypical Game of Thrones song of ice and fire scene that we actually never really got to see in detail was really cool. The jousting was great. Yeah. I mean, like the high speed cameras, the two toys raising each other so much fun. And yeah, the tripping was great. The fighting the thing was great. And yes, Just again, like kind of thinking of inventive ways to do action. Damon scraping along the median with his armor, making a sound effect. That was really cool. And just a really way to kind of wake you up if you weren't woken up already. So I'm looking forward to more of that kind of stuff. Again, it's just cool how they're kind of mining new stuff, even though we've had eight seasons of this. And just out of the gate, we have some things that we have not seen before pretty quickly.
3: So one bit of... Exciting news that we just got in so we can pass this on. Ooh. So there was no opening credit scene this week. The show mm. will have an opening credits starting next week. So okay. we'll see what the opening okay. scene. this has since been confirmed I guess since the, the episode aired. They will have opening credits. Can I ask now that we've all seen this episode mm-hmm. what did you think of the Song of Ice and Fire? twist at the end with Aegon the Conqueror. What uh, we're pretty sure was the high uh, Song of Ice and Fire heresy that was talked about before the show premiered. Do you think it's heresy? Do you think it fits? We know this comes from George R. R. Martin, this twist with Aegon and passing the knowledge down among the Targaryens and him being brought to Westeros by a dream. Did you like it? You think it works?
2: I mean, I will say this. So I knew about that ahead of time just because I looked it up because I couldn't stay away from it. So it's hard to like... Say. So the basic twist is that after uh, Queen Emma dies and Viserys's young male son dies after a day, because he's he's more or less stillborn, not quite, but eh, close, stillborn. Viserys named Venerer his heir and tells her, now that you're my heir, I got to tell you, our ancestor, Aegon the Conqueror, yeah, he had a dream and... He envisioned the White Walkers invading and he united the kingdoms in part to make sure they were all united when that time came. But it's saying he foresaw the he, he foresaw Game of Thrones season eight and he knew that we had to be in charge in order to stop it. I think it's new information, but it doesn't contradict anything. I think it fits. I guess my big question is, is that just there? to have a little easter egg for the fans and confirm some fan theories because it has been a fan theory for a while or is that actually play a part in the story of the show like because yeah that's a good question it connects it to the original show and it connects it to a part of the original show i think a lot of people aren't really giant fans of but it does which is nice i think my I I want it now that they've introduced it. I want that to actually play a part. Like I want Reneira to struggle with that knowledge. Like, cause I know where it's going. like, so when she's makes a decision to, you know, go all in on this war, I want that to be part of the calculus because now they've, I don't want it to just kind of be there and never run up again. Now now that they've kind of um, opened that particular Pandora's box, um, I think it's their responsibility to keep opening it i don't know where that metaphor goes but they need to reckon with what they've done now that they've done it
3: <laughs> yeah i agree with that i feel like now that that's on the chessboard so to speak um oh, there we go chessboard the question the que- yeah yeah right now it, where they're going to take that is an interesting question um i loved mm-hmm. that it gave you know just that tiny bit more connective tissue to the original series and i uh, i think kayla said in the chat we did know that Aegon had dreams in the books. So this, and Targaryens were known for occasionally having some family members who had prophetic dreams. Um, so I do think that's really fitting. Like, is this the prince that was promised prophecy? Did it come from Aegon's dream? Dude, in the preview, she fully
2: said, and my son is the prince of his promise. And his song is a song of ice and fire. Like at the end of the episode, that line was in there. Like they are going yeah. for text. Yeah, again, you're right. It's like some people are saying he had dreams. Like to me, this is kind of like the Jon Snow is the son of um, Rhaegar and Lyanna Stark. Like you could have put yeah. this together if you were a close reader. It's not like it's a thing that was completely mm-hmm. off anybody's radar, but it was. It, it, it's never been said like this. So to have it said yeah. was cool and so far so good i i, I just want to see where, where they take it
3: yeah me too i think the closest hint we really got in the books was the house of uh what's it called the, where daenerys goes in karth uh the house right. of the undying yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the name is slipping from me right now oh, but she got, sees a vision of Rhaegar with his youngest son mm-hmm. where he says uh, "He is the prince who was promised his is a song of ice and fire so that's the closest we came to getting a Targaryen really saying those lines in the book man yeah I think there's so much to be excited about here it really feels like for a premiere episode they really came out of the gate swinging it was um, a
2: very strong pilot yeah
3: yeah it was a little slower like it in a good way like they didn't feel the need to have crazy action scenes to sell everything. Big. Like there were a lot of dude, like small council scenes. I think there were like four sub small council scenes in this one Gotta episode. Yeah. With marbles now. Apparently that's a thing. I was going to ask, do you know what the marbles are about? I don't know what the marbles are about. I, was that from the book? I assume the marbles are like, I'm here and now I'm ready to talk. Marbles on the table. Like, but the, I, yeah, like, I saw, I was like, there are five of marbles. You.
2: Do you need a marble quorum? It's like, it's not hard to like count. Is that from That's the where Westeros the <laughs> The marbles. This is like, Viserys has Dolores and of course, Valerian has Maeve and they all have different little marbles from there. Yeah, that'd be funny.
3: Oh, brutal. All of them.
2: <laughs> a couple of minor points because, oh, as Zach says, I'm like 10 minutes behind everyone because HBO kept crashing. I did hear HBO Max crashed a lot. Um, I'm sorry about that. Everybody yeah. and HBO max is a bit of a, um, bit of a dumpster fire of a service lately. It's been having some problems and I'm sorry to everybody who had mm-hmm. to go through that. I actually watched on the good old fashioned linear TV for this latest thing, uh, just for old time's sake. And that was, that was, that was kind of fun. Yeah. A couple of quick minor points. I just wanted to bring up, Julie, I don't know what the marbles were about. I, I, I we should write an article on the marbles, What, what what's with the marbles?
3: For, seriously should, yeah are, are they from the books i don't recall neither the, do I. I don't recall the marbles being a thing but now we're gonna have to deep dive this and figure it out yeah. i am i wonder if some medieval tradition that it, like they drew it from somewhere mm-hmm. i i have a feeling that they weren't just like you know it'd be cool if the small council had marbles that's they gotta to come marbles. from somewhere <laughs> like
2: so, so was like i pitched them marble stories over and over. And they always said no. And now that I'm, I'm showrunner, I am sure getting my marbles. Marbles <laughs> yeah. are us. But anyway, I wanted to mention really quickly that I liked that there were some characters who didn't kind of really pop just yet. I thought that Corliss Valerian and Rhaenys Targaryen were kind of in the background for this one. My seria was introduced, Same. but not really done a lot with. I liked Graham McTavish as Harold Westerling. Mostly I liked his Scottish accent. Same. And him in the armor, he didn't really do much, but he was fun. You know who was the stealth breakout character for me with very few lines, but I just kind of liked whenever he was on screen. And I, I I'm not being sarcastic. I was kind of digging Lyman Beesbury. <laughs> who is the master of coin. Uh, like he yeah. had two lines and I laughed at both of them. It was like, I think it was yeah. like when, when Otto and Damon were arguing the small council and they're like, bringing and they're like bringing each other's wives into this. This is a quick shot of 11 beats. Yeah. going like, Oh dear. Like, he was just so like <laughs> effetly British affronted. And it was just kind of cute. And then later during the tourney, Damon uh, was at the list and Lyman's like go, turns to a guy and is like, put 50 on Damon, like just for really them making a bet. Like, you're
3: fun. I like you, Lyman Beesbury. Yeah, I enjoyed Lyman Beesbury, too. I I totally agree. Stealth favorite from the episode because, (laughs) yeah, he had a handful of lines and he made each and every one of them count. Mm -hmm. I'm both excited and dreading to see the full span of Lyman Beesbury on this season of House of the Dragon. Yeah, he was great. I, I really enjoyed Kristen Cole, too. He's another one. Yeah. I, for whatever reason, I wasn't like, "Yeah, I can't wait to see Kristen Cole." But whenever he was on screen or talking, I was paying a little more attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to see more of him in the coming episodes too. Well, that you know, that, that fight point. with him and David was great.
2: I will agree with Julie Davies here, who says that not much chemistry between Corliss and Rainey's. It's it, it, it's it's one episode, so I don't yeah, think they were really hard focused to on. But yeah, I agree. Like it's is I thought there was chemistry between um Alicent and Rhaenyra. There was chemistry between Damon and Viserys. I thought there was I mean uh, th- th- that scene where Damon and Rhaenyra are both talking in High Valyrian and then Damon puts a necklace creepily on his niece's neck was look, I mean I love that. I thought it worked and that I was a little creeped out, yes. but it was a little uncomfortable. But yeah, I I I agree, yeah. Julie. I I I wasn't getting too much of a chemistry set from Corlys and Rainey's, but I'm, it's, it's the first episode. They weren't really the focus, so I'm willing to keep watching to find out about that. And I'm just glad that um, there were some tertiary and secondary characters popping as well as the primary ones.
3: Yeah, totally. I, I think they did a good job, you know, when looking at like that tourney. So in the book, that takes place in a different town for a mm-hmm. different yeah, event. It it's made, made it cool to celebrate Viserys being crowned king. So I feel like that's a pretty good like microcosm for how the show is going to be handling maybe adapting things from the book. Like it's going to take the spirit and maybe the the idea but it might not be wearing the same exact clothes. It might not be the same setting. Like things might be shifted around just a little bit, but it still feels really faithful.
2: Totally. It yeah, it does.
3: So much good stuff. Yeah, I I loved uh, Young Renira and Allison. Way more than I expected to. I, mm-hmm. Did you hit catch Allison like, picking her nails? Like Of course. so yeah. characterization, they, like, so good. Focused
2: on like, the weird, the, the kind of the scratchy thing. She could be really interesting. Yeah. I also, one last thought I had is it, it, pretty much my last thought of the night. The dialogue. Yeah. Kind of a weird journey with me for this one. So the first time I watched the episode was like earlier this week, and it seemed a little stiff to me. And then I watched it again to write the review. And I, it felt better. I guess I just got used to it because now it didn't bother me much at all. I think it's a little more formal. It sounds a little Shakespeare in the park, which like Game of Thrones had that too. So it, it, it works. Game of yeah. Thrones also had contrast. Like Game of Thrones had Braun and Davos Seaworth kind of like being a little more informal. So it was, yeah. it was a little hard to get used to, but by the third time around, I was used to it. So I think just a matter of kind of developing an ear for how they're going to talk most of the time in this show,
3: I, I agree with what you were saying about the dialogue in terms of that it might take a little getting used to.
2: Are you kind of used to it? Yeah,
3: yeah, it feels a little older, like older yeah. fashioned, which is fitting. We're like two hundred no. years, roughly one hundred and seventy-two years before Daenerys, which I did appreciate that little opening stinger that was
2: cute yeah they kind of got out of the words okay no before you go on i i i have to say like it makes sense the dialogue is older because we're earlier game of thrones are still medieval times like it's 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 it's, it's all old i reject that argument but okay go on
3: <laughs> that was it was on what was it ah ryan condall used a great term for this it's like a post-classical period game of thrones okay. we're seeing everything on the downhill. everyone's roughing it up like Braun. And the slang is more prevalent.
2: All right. Okay. Maybe. Sure. (laughs)
3: Um. So. So we're pushing time here. Do we want to end with maybe some predictions for
2: what we want to see? What we're interested in? I mean, which is because We've both read the book. Questions we have. Yeah, we have questions. I mean, okay. So I. I know what happens. So I. I, I'm not going to act like will Allison and the King get closer? Like they're 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 definitely Mm -hmm. going to. I guess I am curious. To see if the show can compel me as it goes on some kind of um, side journeys, like as Damon goes to fight with Corlys Valerian in the Stepstones. Like, will that be as interesting as some of the other stuff? Can they get me invested in the Rhaenyra-Alicent friendship to the point where I'm going to be heartbroken when it ends? And will they bring back that revelation about a on the conqueror i think the premiere did a good yeah. job of giving us a lot but still leaving a lot to be dripped out like we haven't met a lot of the dragons yet that'll be fun there are characters like yeah and corliss and rainies and Kristen cole who we don't really know that well yet so that can be developed i i yeah. am i'm curious about next after tomorrow i'm probably going to watch the next episode because i want to get this party rolling because i am genuinely interested how about you daniel cool what what do you, what do you predict or what what are you looking <laughs> well, to see in the next six episodes?
3: Okay. So yeah, I can't, like we've said, I have seen farther ahead. So I uh-huh. predicting feels like it would be in, in bad faith, but the things I'm excited, I'm excited to see more of the dragons. Cause like you mm-hmm. said, it, you know, we, I, I think there are like nine or 10 that are going to be in this first season. Nice. Um, and. We only met two of them in this episode. So I kind of like that the show is gradually introducing its draconic cast, so to speak. So so I'm excited to get to see them a little bit more and see all these different personalities we've had teased. The Rhaenyra and Alicent relationship, I'm right there with, with you in terms of wanting to see if they can really get fans compelled enough to, you know, be sad when they have a yeah. falling out if they have a falling out yeah i mean we you could probably parse that from the trailers it makes yeah. it pretty obvious the ones going to the other with a knife
2: yeah that could be
3: yeah so long game a big part of the conflict is a falling out between them and i'm excited to see how people respond to that um can the show make its relationships as compelling as something like game of thrones um mm. where you had all these really compelling relationships i i you know I want to know if we'll see mushroom. <laughs> I think we can put that out there. Is a sure
2: out in the universe, you know,
3: not prediction, but like a, I'm curious about that. Season two,
2: of, he's brought on as a new court jester.
3: Yeah, season two is just the book of mushroom. Hmm. Yeah, I'm curious to see how people take to the the older actors, and you know. Just the the overall reaction to this thing because it feels more focused than Game of Thrones. It like, does, yeah, it feels like uh, you know. I- I'm curious if it will reach as broad of an audience, just because it it is a little bit more Shakespearean. Shakespearean. Like you said, it's darker. It, it doesn't necessarily have the same sprawling cast where everyone can relate to someone. Like they're all Targaryens. There's a lot of aristocrats in this. There are no bronze, like you said. There will be
2: like a Nettles down the road. There'll be like a Hugh Hammer down the road, but that'll be then. So we'll see how it does. I'm very curious too, and excited, curiosity and excitement. And I hope you guys follow along with us every week when uh, we talk through each new episode of House of the Dragon, HBO's Game of Thrones, etc. show here on the Winner's Coming Facebook page the Winner's Coming YouTube page every Sunday at 9 30 p.m central standard time after the new episode airs we we'll also have um just our weekly take the black shows on wednesdays at 4 p.m cst hope to see you there and uh you can download us too and podcasts are available see you have a great night and may fire rain it's a pun
0: This podcast is brought to you by Fansiding. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between.